What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, we decide that, yep, that's an Argus array, all right. Reg puts all the right moves on Troy. And we ask the question, what's the sandwich capacity of a standard Enterprise shuttlecraft? All that and more. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 19, The Nth Degree. This episode was written by Joe Minoski and directed by Ron Jones. After an encounter with the mysterious alien probe, Lieutenant Barclay begins to exhibit signs of profound intelligence, ultimately hooking himself into the ship's computer and hurling the Enterprise into danger. (laughs) Yay! Barclay's back! Or... (laughs) Uh, depends on how you feel about it this is the one Barkley episode I really really enjoy I I enjoy this episode so much what are your thoughts yeah I like I actually don't love Barkley but I don't hate his episodes so far like the last one I thought was a really good one for discussion this one I absolutely love there's another Mm -hmm. one that we've talked about before the de-evolution episode which I absolutely love it's not yes it's not all Barkley but I feel like he's a he's a big part of that episode and um and I love that episode so as much as I don't love him as a character, he's some pretty dope episodes. When mm-hmm. I first saw this one coming on, I was like, yay, it's Big Head Barclay episode. What do I think of for this episode? So I'm like <laughs> excited to dig into this one. Um, what about you? Initial thoughts? Um, this is a super fun episode. It's hyper-intelligent Barclay. It's, it's confident Barclay. Then it becomes arrogant Barclay. Then it becomes like dangerously psychopathic intelligent Barclay. So we get to see these different phases. And I got to tell you, Barclay for me is a very unattractive character. Mm -hmm. He's just very irksome. And I'm like, just make one declarative statement, dude. Like, you know, but he's like (laughs) wobbling around and like stuttering a lot, his words and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's very much an anxiety thing, which I understand because I suffer from anxiety. So it's like, I get that. Um, so there's nothing really attractive about him, but I will say there were a couple of scenes where he was just cool, calm and confident before like the big arrogance set in. Mm -hmm. And I was like his entire demeanor, the actor who plays Barclay does spectacular spectacular job because when he becomes confident, the bumbling persona Mm -hmm. is gone. And I was like, whoa, he looks completely different. Mm -hmm. He's actually a very attractive man. And I was like, I never thought I would say that about this person because Mm -hmm. the character that he plays is just so like icky to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that's, that's so incredible. Like I was just blown away. He's masterful. It was the same way in his first episode with the um, hollow ethics conversation we had with his whole just weirdness in the holodeck because when he was in the holodeck, he was so confident or just so he was just a completely different person. And again, we got that range. And I have a feeling that every single main actor on this show has those skills can really has huge range, but they are very rarely allowed that opportunity because they have to play their character. And it's only when they go to the holodeck that they get to be somebody else. Yes. If they're infected by some kind of virus or whatever. So I agree. I, I have I agree. a feeling that they all have this range, but we just never get to see it. In this case, we got to see it for Barclay and it was everything. It was so yes. great to see the transformations. Yes. And you know, what's interesting is the writers had really, really loved the Barclay character and they really loved working with Dwight Schultz, who plays Barclay. And they had been kind of brainstorming all these different ways to bring him back for over a year. And then when they stumbled upon the storyline, they were like, we should make this happen to Barclay 
And then we get to see this fun transformation and Dwight Schultz got to kind of like flex his like acting Mm -hmm. muscles a little bit and be Barclay, but not Barclay. And I thought it was really great. I thought it was super fun. I love watching this episode. It's so much fun. Now we open on a play and I think it's the first time we see Beverly in a play at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And being like, she's kind of established herself as like the drama coach. Cause she's like, Worf, I have room in my workshop for you. Like she's clearly mm-hmm. kind of running this drama she's series. She's totally the director, the producer, all the stuff. Yes. It's the first yes. time we see her in this role and she reprises this role many, many times throughout the rest of TNG. And I love it. I love that she's a doctor and also like a theater has- has like whatever. So yes. Cool. Has like outside interests. I mm-hmm. think it's wonderful. So they're doing Cyrano de Bergerac and Barclay is playing the titular role of Cyrano and he is not great. I think it's a huge improvement out of like the holodeck and he's actually putting himself in front of people, which is very right. scary, which seems like something Barclay would never do. Yes. So it's like, so okay, cool. Huge. So you're like developing. Yeah. This is really great. He's, he's not bad. He's just doing okay because he's kind of flubbing his lines and the long wig is getting in his face. And he's sort of like thrown off by that. Did you notice I went back and watched this like five times and laughed my ass off at the end. Everyone is applauding enthusiastically. They're being really polite. Did you see data's face? He was like, what the, the whole time he was acting, data had this face that looked like he was going to be sick. And I just thought that was so (laughs) funny. Every scene, every line that Barclay's giving data's just like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And then at the yes, end, they're like, it's just, it's bravo, so- bravo. Data's like, <laughs> but he was not good. Did, was I the only one who noticed he was not good? And Riker's just like, it's polite data. He's like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And then he goes, <laughs> yes, he gets a little know, golf clap. He, he puts on, yeah, he puts on a pleasant face and he golf claps, but as he's looking around in complete bewilderment as to why everybody is applauding, his face is so stanky. I was so like, great. Jesus. So note to self. So great. Never Never let data come and see you perform because if you're not good, Mm -mm. you will know it immediately. I'm going to see, I'm going to see if I could find a photo of data's face (laughs) to put on our Instagram. Yeah. At the TNG podcast, because let me tell you, it was hilarious. It was pure. (laughs) I actually wrote data's extremely confused face is pure gold. And then I made myself laugh because he's actually covered in gold paint. So I was like, get it, get it. (laughs) (laughs) Which accidental pun. Yeah. So Anyway, to our show. Yeah. So (laughs) we're nerds, right? After that, after the play, Troy is kind of having this private conversation with Barclay telling him like, you've grown so much. You're, this is incredible what you've done. And I actually really like this conversation between the two of them because Barclay points out very astutely that he feels more comfortable pretending to be somebody else. And he says, what's the difference between me acting like somebody else in front of everybody and me going to the holodeck and acting like somebody else privately, either way, I'm still not being myself what's the difference, which was a very good point. And Troy responded with, you're doing this with all of us. You are interacting. You're not just acting, you're interacting. And that's the difference Yeah, is that you are a part of a bigger community while you're mm-hmm. pretending to be somebody else. And you're helping, we are all experiencing this together, which yeah. was another really good point. And I was like, hmm, they both have it. great points. He is still pretending, but he's pretending with people, which is a step forward. It's a huge step forward. Can we also talk for a second about Counselor Troy looking like a complete knockout in this like off the shoulder dress and statement earrings. I mm-hmm. love her whole look. She looks so gorgeous. By the way, 
I love what they've sort of landed on for her hair. Mm-hmm. It is such a far cry from this frizzy haired space cheerleader in Encounter <laughs> at Park Point. She looks really put together. She looks sophisticated, but also sexy, like very understated, but like just kind of showing just the right amount for like, this is time off. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are still in their uniforms, but Deanna is definitely in like, this is like going after out for hours, the Deanna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is after hours, Deanna, which I love. I thought she looked beautiful and I thought she was very kind with Barclay where she's like, you're not in, you're not acting, you're interacting. And that is by far more important than hiding out in your imagination at, in the holodeck, mm-hmm. which I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Now, as we kind of wrap up, by the way, we still haven't hit credits. We still have not hit credits. The enterprise stops at an Argus array at the very end of Federation space and it's stopped working for some reason. So they need to do some tests and they're like, there's this weird probe that's kind of floating nearby. And maybe that's messing with the equipment. So let's go check it out. And yes. this Argus array looks so cool. I don't it know. It is super cool. What it was, how they built it. I imagine it was some kind of prop that they built and then just kind of filmed over the prop. But it looks so cool. Like what whoever yeah. thought of that, that looked amazing. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that totally is an Argus array. <laughs> like that's yes. what that is. <laughs> yes. I completely agree where I was like, mm-hmm, that's an array. All right. <laughs> looks exactly like a far deep space telescopic array. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and nu- and nuclear it. powered, no less. Yeah. That, that's it. amazing that someone could come up with a word, just like a thing that wasn't even a thing. And someone could design <laughs> it in real life. And you would be like, oh yeah, that is that thing. That's exactly what a dragon <laughs> yeah. would look like or whatever. Like, you know, it's like, like when you, it's like when you meet someone and you go, you do look like a Tim. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what that's like. Yeah. It's 100% that. So they're like, let's go check out the probe. And for some reason, the enterprise can't scan it or something. So they need to take a shuttle, which is going to have more sensitive equipment. percent <laughs> 100%, 100% does not track. Yeah. But we need to get super close to the probe in order to scan it for whatever reason. And it, and it did something to clearly break the array. So let's put sensitive equipment right next to the probe and just, I don't know, see, see if what it happens. doesn't break it. Just check it yes. out. Yes. So Jordy. Oh, go ahead. Oh, a couple of things real quick. One, it's very hard to make out the name of the shuttle, but I got it. It's called the Feynman. And the shuttle was named after theoretical physicist Richard Phillips Feynman, um, who was known for his work in the um, path integral formulation of quantum mechanics, the theory of quantum electrodynamics, the physics of the superfluidity of supercooled liquid helium. I swear I'm not making these words up, mm-hmm. as well as his work in particle physics for which he proposed the Parton model. And for contributions to the development of quantum electrodynamics, Feynman received the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1965. So I and thought that was pretty cool. As a Nobel laureate, he also got his name put on the side of a shuttle in this TNG episode. So that's, and that's really, really the most important. That's the most important yeah. part of the yeah, that's, crowning yeah. moment of his career, I believe. It's probably <laughs> of a Nobel right Prize here. physicist. Yeah, yeah. Who was, by the way, in the 60s, like hunted down as like a, a communist or like a suspected communist. So then mm-hmm. he had to go live in Brazil for a while. Yeah. And then he actually ended up becoming like super into um, like Brazilian samba and, and like music. So he would like teach samba, which is a very complicated and difficult mm-hmm. dance to do. And all that. And I was like, you're a physicist who's teaching Samba lessons yep. on the weekend. Like, Marry this me is now. like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Yes. So that was cool. And then I thought that was a cool little bit of trivia. 
Also, did you notice the panels on the shuttlecraft on the inside? There's these two circular clear like orbs that come out of the Elkar's panel that Jordy is like punching on. And I've never seen anything like it before. And it was so cool. It was like these two hemispherical clear kind of orbs that had some things inside. And I was I like, I absolutely did not notice that, that at all. So I'll have to go uh, back and look and see what's so going on cool. in the shuttle. I, I do like how they kind of change up these little details from time to time until they land mm-hmm. on something they really like. Yeah. And I think. I mean, I'm thinking forward to an episode that I just absolutely love um, where they're, they're spending time on a shuttle and this shuttle is small, but they've got like a break room and they've got like, I mean, they've got all this stuff in there where you're like, wait, since when is that wait, in there? Is that, is that the episode um, in the runabout when like the Enterprise yes. and the Romulans are yes. frozen in time? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the like break the first room time with like snacks on the table and they've stuff. They've got like a dinner table. Yeah. Before, it's a- all they had was sandwiches in the you know back seat <laughs> because that's how big the shuttle was. So yeah. Anyway, and it, I was like, it was like the back seat of a sports car too. It really wasn't a back seat. Like nobody yeah. could actually sit there. There was, was no just space a place for the to sandwich like tray. Put your you umbrella. Had to put it on your lap. Yeah, it was very, <laughs> it was very small. So I don't know, but in any case, um, yeah, Jordy I do decides love to bring Barclay along with him on this shuttle mission, um, mm. because why not? And I love that Barclay's just like, oh, thank you so much for including me. I'm one of the team. And Jordy's just like, yeah, you're one of my top people. You it's it, you deserve to be a part of really cool stuff. Yeah. Like finally. Yeah, I and, love that. And he's like, this is, this is, this, what we're doing right now is the whole reason I got into Starfleet. I just, I love exploring and you deserve a little piece of this. Now, something I did notice is that this entire episode, every single person calls him Reg. Nobody calls him mm-hmm. Barclay. So this is the transition. No one's called him Reg before, yeah, except for maybe I think, Troy. I think Picard and Riker do kind of at the end where they're like, danger, Lieutenant Barclay, come on, man. Yeah, but for the most part, like the people around him who know him best, yeah, they're using a familiar term for him, which is nice to see. And I don't know what his first name is, but I think Reg is a nickname. Reginald. Okay, I was like, I wasn't sure what, it could be something weird because, you know, space. But but Reg is not just by the way, Reginald Barkley is a name we've heard a bunch. And this just goes to show me how little you care for this character. Cause you're like, first name who doesn't matter. Like, no, I mean, I, I knew everybody called him Reg, but I mean, I knew his name was Reg, but everybody called him Barkley in the last episode we saw mm, everyone okay. called him Barkley. And then teasingly, they called him Broccoli. No one used his first name. Absolutely. Yeah. No one. So here all of a sudden, not only are they using his first name, but they're using a nickname of his first name, which was super, which is super, super familiar and close. Yeah. So I feel like this transition was made very intentionally to try to get the audience to like him since that first episode he was in was, he was just very unlikable. So yes. now they're trying to be like, Hey, it's Reg. It's our good old buddy, Reg. We all, because everyone's so irritated with him that we were irritated with him. Yeah. Now they're trying to say like, we all love him and we kind of have sympathy for him. So you should love him too. So I noticed yeah. that transition in this episode. And I think it really, it really works. I think so too. And you know, I also, for me, it creates a secondary layer for Barclay where we haven't seen Barclay for a number of episodes and, you know, we've only seen him, seen him very sparingly over the, you know, the seasons that he's been on with that being said, there could be a number of reasons why we haven't seen him. He could have been on a different, you know, assignment. He could have been on sabbatical. He could have been on whatever. So by, by calling him Reg and not Barclay shows that to me, it shows he's been around and he has been earning the good mm-hmm. graces of like the crew where like he's getting closer and they are getting closer to him. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice to see. It wasn't like, you know, usually it's like captain's log. We haven't seen Troy for a while. Cause she's been like on beta Z for like a week on a conference or whatever. And that's why we haven't seen her like mm-hmm. this to us, at least for me as a viewer, like kind of 
with very few words explains like he hasn't been gone. He's been here the whole time. You just haven't seen and him. And <laughs> we just haven't seen him mm-hmm. and he's getting closer, which I thought was great. Now they're trying to hit this probe with everything they got. And they're like, it's not coming back with anything that we can detect. It's clearly not from our neighborhood. Something is kind of weird about this. And they end up hitting it with a positron dump and the probe glows totally white and knocks out the shuttle's computer. And Jordy's like, whoa, whoa. You know, he kind of does the shielding the eyes, shielding the visor with this white light. And he's like, Reg, Reg, I need you. And turns to find that Barclay is totally unconscious. He's just Mm -hmm. out cold. He was knocked out by light. In my notes, I put typical. (laughs) Such a a TNG move right here. Be knocked out by some light. (laughs) (laughs) Would you have said that if it was Worf or Picard? I feel like you only would have said that for Barclay because you're like, typical Barclay no it's not (laughs) it's not against Barclay it's typical of the show it's typical for someone to be knocked out by wind or light or a loud sound and they collapse we're never gonna get over the fact that that uh, Tasha Yar was killed by some wind we're never gonna get over that why should we No. no now now he's knocked unconscious and it cuts to credits and I'm going to tell you, this is the longest cold open in the franchise history for all of Star Trek's mm-hmm. plural seven minutes and 21 seconds until credits start. Usually credits start at like two, two minutes. minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, wait a minute. We saw Cyrano de Bergerac. We saw this lovely exchange with Counselor Troy where she was like talking him up. We learned that there's this array. And the minute we saw it, we were like, yep, that's an Argus array. All right. <laughs> and then we got into a shuttlecraft. We learned why it was named the Feynman. We talked about all the like cool things that we are had in the shuttlecraft. We had a nap. We woke back up <laughs> and we're still in the, we're still in the code open. Yeah. We're still in the cold open. This is incredible. I was like, holy crap. Like a third of the show is gone. I and, appreciate like, we they did that though. Yet. I appreciate they did that because where they ended was like, Ooh, what happened? Yeah. If they would have ended at any point before this point. At like, at like Cyrano de Bergerac, you're like, why is I this? I keep watching suspenseful? this episode, right? If yeah. we were watching this at the time that it was aired on TV, you know, the reason why they do these crazy suspenseful things before they go to commercial is to keep you coming back after the commercials, because they yes. know full well that after two and a half minute minutes of learning about mayonnaise and whatever the heck you forget what you're even watching. So they have to give you a really good hook to come back. <laughs> Are there infomercials that you're watching about mayonnaise? What What's going on in your Who TV? Isn't is my question. <laughs> so like if they would have stopped at any other point, people would just have never come back to the episode and they would have missed a really good episode. Yeah. So I'm glad that yeah. they took their time and ended it where they needed to. Do you remember the episode where the captain went on holiday and met Vosh? That's the and exact on that fucking weird... thing I was thinking. Where yeah, and we were like cranky yeah. and counselor and, and Riker are like, don't you get it? Captain needs some time off. No shit. You guys have gone through electricity monsters <laughs> and body possessions and sudden deaths by wind. <laughs> and like nobody's taken any shore leave yet. Yeah, he needs a vacation. And this is not a cliffhanger that is worthy of like, nothing. not at all. But like two minutes later, once you come back from the commercial break, there's the aliens. After you've learned up. about mayonnaise. Yes. And you've forgotten what you're even watching. These aliens show up and they're like, give us the toxu tot or else. Bum, bum, bum. And it's like, that would have been a great point to cut. Just they didn't just hold on for commercial another at that point. And a half. They yeah. Didn't. They just yeah. went to the next yeah. scene. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, cut to Picard in a very short outfit. Okay. So anyway. I'm glad they didn't do that for this. I'm glad they yes. waited to the appropriate point because this is a really good episode and it deserved time to enjoy it. Yes. Yes. Now, Jordy and Barkley, you know, credits are run. We're feeling suspenseful. Jordy and Barkley mm-hmm. are beamed into sickbay and appears that the flash of light overloaded his optic nerve and knocked him out, which is something that can happen. 
Jordy's visor appeared to have filtered it out. So mm-hmm. that kind of makes, makes sense. sense. Makes sense. Where I was like, cool, that tracks. And now, you know, they need to get back to work to figure out what the heck is going on with this array and this probe. But Beverly's like, I don't want you to go too far because, you know, once these scans are run, I need to just kind of make sure everything is cool. We did just have parasites in the thymus gland and all this shit. So yesterday, let's just maybe, you know, mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday. So like maybe just hang tight for a minute. Mm-hmm. And Barkley is kind of in that very awkward phase where he's like, well, it shouldn't take too long to set up the scan. And Beverly's kind of already on to the next patient. So she's like, wait, wait, what are you talking about? And he's like, if you just blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that. And she was like, um, maybe you need to stick to engineering because that's not how it works. And he's like, I don't know. Like it's like, he's just very awkward. And you're like, Hey buddy, super uh, like pushy too. Yeah. And I feel like that's the time when Jordy just needed to put a hand out and be like, Reg, come on, man. Like, Yep. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go to engineering and we thanks can so be much weird for your engineering. Help. It's together. like it's like when your friend's super drunk and you're like, thanks, buddy. Let's walk this way. Oh, that yeah. was super helpful. Yeah, keep on walking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Barclay is like, I, I think I'm fine, but you know, I won't go too far. And Picard's like, all right, we obviously we can't take a shuttle and get super close to this thing without it freaking out. So let's just tow it back to the nearest star base or whatever and just call it a day. Which yes. I thought couldn't you have done that in well whatever so so we're gonna tow it now <laughs> oh now we've got solutions now okay guys man enterprise it's not on his a game it really isn't last week not so much this week already not so much but the probe starts acting really fishy and yeah. it it starts chasing the enterprise which yeah. is hilarious this is like a mouse chasing an elephant The probe starts chasing the Enterprise and the Enterprise is running for dear life because the probe is like overheating and they're like, our shields can't protect against it. So if it explodes, it could really do damage to our ship. So they're like, and it's emitting this like dangerous radiation too. Yeah. That's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So they're like, okay, go a little bit faster. Okay. Full impulse. Okay. Warp one. Okay. Warp two. Okay. Warp three. And they were like, again, why don't we just, why don't we just jump to warp 9.5 for like three minutes and just get rid of like i want to see them warp and maybe zigzag and spin around a planet and see if they can shake it you know you know what why don't you hide in in like a pole okay hide it don't go in a straight line as slow as possible don't do that don't speed up as slowly as possible as As like as you can yeah as gradually (laughs) as you can to allow this goddamn probe to be like yeah, let me matching just course. speed up as well. Matching course. Matching speed and course. Matching speed and course. So yeah. the Enterprise is running for dear life. And this little probe <laughs> is like, pew, 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 like chasing it, <laughs> which is kind of it's ridiculous. Not even, it's not even going pew, pew, pew. It's no. literally just silently chasing this huge ship yeah. that's like running for, like running scared. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And what I thought was interesting is that before it started chasing them, and it was, I mean, it was just coming towards them slowly in the beginning and menacingly. Picard was like, how is that thing moving? Um, and Worf was like, shoot it. Of course he was. That's like, that's Worf. Oh, so they tried that and shooting it didn't do anything. And they were like, we want to shoot it with bigger, with like torpedoes instead of just phasers. But if we shoot it with anything bigger, the explosion is too close to our ship where we will also be harmed. So we can't shoot it with anything more powerful. Can't do it. And that's when they started running. And I did think that was an interesting question. How the heck is this thing moving? And this is like the constant question we have, right? About things in space. Like, what the hell is this? How are they being propelled without something we can visually see or scan or whatever. And so I think that was fascinating, but also kind of hilarious now that I think about it, that this entire ship is running from this tiny little probe and just can't, can't get rid of it. (laughs) The probe is like the size of a shuttlecraft. (laughs) Clearly, right. Because we saw it earlier. It's like half the size of a shuttlecraft. (laughs) There's no sandwiches on that probe at all. Not any sandwiches. Sandwich probe. Now, Barclay is doing some quick thinking and he's able to save the ship. He 
overrides Jordy and goes right to Picard with comms. And he's like, full spread, maximum yield photons. I am certain the shields will hold. And Picard is like, uh, Jordy? And Jordy's, and Jordy's like, like, I don't know how he did it, but now the shields are 300% stronger. Which is Not amazing. three times stronger. 300. 300 times. It's like, what amazing. the F? They managed to shoot it. It's destroyed. So they're like, cool, let's go back to the Argus array and let's figure out what happened. Thanks for your quick thinking on this one, Barclay. Like, that was Good work. And because of his quick thinking, he gets invited to the coveted observation lounge to join mm-hmm. all the senior crew in their brainstorming to fix the Argus array. And I thought like, part of me, part of me was just like, this is great. You know, he's got some great ideas and I think he'll be really valuable addition to the team. The other part of me always feels like stuff like this is a little bit elitist and it rubs me really the wrong way that he was like, he kind of earned his way into the secret club because he had a great idea. So if he doesn't have a great idea next week, he doesn't get to come back. Do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah, just something that's about also senior. That's also senior leadership too, where it's like, everybody can't be invited because it's senior leadership. Like we need to talk I about the classified crap. Completely agree. I completely agree. So when they brought him in, I felt like how long does, how long will he get to stay? Yes. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, will yeah, he only stay as long as he's cranking out great ideas? Like right this second, he happens to have a great idea. But if he doesn't, yes. sorry, go back to your post. This is just for senior people. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And yes, yeah, I, yes, agree. I agree. Like everybody agree. should not be in, involved because you can't have a thousand people on the ship in the observation lounge all trying to come up with ideas. Like that's not going to work. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, that I felt a little bit weird because it was like, oh, welcome, Barclay. Welcome to our special meeting. And Riker seemed to kind of be sucking up to him too as they were walking to the meeting. And he's all like, wow, quick thinking, man. Like that was a great idea. And, da, da, da. and I just was like, oh, now I, you're you friends. I, I did right? love that. Mm. I did love that scene when Riker and Barclay are walking to the observation lounge and Barclay's like, all I did was modulate that. Da, 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 and then I did this, 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 and this. And it was, I don't know. It just kind of seemed very obvious. And Riker is like hot and dumb. And he's like, uh, yeah, I would totally no, that, have done the same thing. Y- yeah, no, sounds good. <laughs> and Riker is not dumb, but it's no. like, you're not at this level, buddy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're talking about this array. And Jordy's like, it could take a few weeks, like two to three weeks minimum to like fix the telescope. Because we're going to do it one on, piece at a time. Yes, because it's like 23 different systems all working together and it's mm-hmm. nuclear driven. So you can't have a nuclear meltdown and a cascade failure because that's really bad. Mm-hmm. And Barclay is like, I disagree, like just jumps right up and says it. But he waits and for Jordy like, to finish and he waits for them to all say, good idea, Jordy, let's do that. And then he's like, he's like wrong. wrong. Yeah. And you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, couldn't uh, say that any other way. Nope. Yep. And nope. And he's like, he has another plan. He's going to do all of the systems together at the same time. And data's like, that will take longer, about seven weeks. And he's like, I'm confident I can have I can it done do it in three days. I, I can have it done in two days. And they're like, what? Two days. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> this number that nobody Nuh-uh. had heard of before doesn't sound right. And Deanna is like, there's something a little bit different about him. And they're like, uh, all right. If you think you could have it done in two days, you already earned some good grace with says, this like quick thinking with the probe. So yeah. go for it. He says, I can do it in two days if Jordy will assist me. And it was just like another kind Damn. of like another kind of like little jab that I'm sure was unintentional, but it could have been again, it could have been like, I think I can do it if I had some help. Jordy, do you mind us do you mind helping me out? Versus like if Jordy will assist me, I will be able to if Jordy will be two. my assistant. Yeah, not exactly. the other way around. Yeah, exactly. I was like, now I thought one that good was really idea doesn't make you the chief buddy. <laughs> it, <laughs> it sure does doesn't. 
It takes multiple, multiple good ideas and lots of wiping out with women. And you're already doing great with that. So mm-hmm. like you're on track with that part, but <laughs> the multiple great ideas, you need to reverse the polarity at least 40 times before you get chief engineer status. Um, I thought this was a lovely little like insert where Barclay is back with um, Dr. Crusher and he's working on this monologue from Cyrano de Bergerac mm-hmm. and blows it out of the water. Like, Doctor, by the way, I love that this is after hours, Beverly. She's Mm -hmm. wearing an off the shoulder, but it's still blue because, you know, she's medical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, you could try another color, girl. Like, I don't know know who she was. That's true. (laughs) She's wearing green. Who's that? We wouldn't know. We would know. No, you're right. If she were red, you'd be like, whoa, who do you think you are? Right. So, (laughs) but she is like moved to tears. And when he finishes his monologue, his whole persona changes and he doesn't do the like and scene. He just kind of stops and smiles and has this big smile. He's not bumbling. He's cool Mm -hmm. and confident. He's not arrogant yet. He was kind of arrogant in the observation lounge meeting. Mm -hmm. But he when he's not bumbling and he's smiling, he's actually really good looking guy. And I was like, hey, look at you. And and Dr. Crusher was like, I have no actor's notes on this. Like you killed it. Like you did a great job. You were amazing. That was really, really good. And I think she says it like, she says it almost as a whisper, like that was very good. It was like, wow, that was, that was just a beautiful scene, right? To see him acting and to see her reaction and stuff was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, So Deanna, who is in on this actor's notes, because she was just poking her head into (laughs) transporter rooms and nothing was going on. So she's like, I'll just poke my head into 10 forward where the bar is removed and there's no guy in and we're just doing actor's notes now. But okay, so she she's watching him and she's like, yeah, there is something definitely different. So she finds him in 10 forward and congratulates him on his newfound confidence. And he's like, why don't we take a walk in the Arboretum instead? And she's like, "Ah, you know, as your former counselor. I don't think it would be appropriate. She's very professional and nice about it. And he's his like, line was I, really good. I don't need a counselor. I need a, something along the lines of, he said, I don't need a counselor. I need company with a beautiful, intelligent woman. And you're like, oh, um, oh, oh, well, I mean, my, my schedule is kind of clear right now. <laughs> like that totally would have worked on me. Probably I'm not, not really like- seeing patients or anything. I'm just wandering around empty rooms. So <laughs> Arboretum's an empty room. why don't do. we wander there together? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was, but it was a really good line though. Um, and you just see her kind of like line. smile and be like, hmm, good night, Mr. Barclay. Like, I'm yeah. going to hold this professional line, but I kind of don't want to. But okay, yes. we'll see you later. I think she was, I don't think she, I don't think she was interested in going on this walk with him, but I do think she was just kind of like sort of smiling inwardly, like one, how good the line is, but also like, wow, okay, you're like really leveling up your <laughs> your like your confidence level, which is cool. Um, but then we see like a little snippet of the same old Barclay because it's an engineering meeting and he's not there. And and now Jordy's like, where the fuck is Barclay? And it's like, uh, he's not here. Computer, where is Lieutenant Barclay? It's like Lieutenant Barclay's in holodeck three. And Jordy's like, oh, like we're doing this again. Mm-hmm. We got to Now I got to go find him in the now, holodeck. Throwback Thursday, Barclay. And we don't want this. <laughs> So we're like, okay, what kind of creepy things am I going to walk into now? Because you know his holodeck room is not locked because they never lock it. So he comes into his, barges into his holodeck time to find that he's not doing anything creepy with Beverly or Troy or anything like that. Nothing. What he's doing is he's just chit-chatting with Einstein and telling Einstein all his theories are wrong and his math is wrong. And you're like... And Einstein's like, oh shit, you're right. Yep. It's like, huh? It's like, yeah, <laughs> you're so smart, on? Barclay. And you're like, what is going on right now? So... 
Jordy's just like, Ahem, you're supposed to be in a meeting. And he's like, oh, sorry, I just got caught up, whatever. And as they're walking away, Jordy's like, what the F was that? What is going on? You have changed. Something's different. Something's wrong. And ever since you, that probe, yeah, ever something since is the, different. Ever since you got knocked out by light, suddenly you're just a different person. And Barclay's like, look, I'm finally the person I've always wanted to be. Do we really need to question that? And Jordy's like, yes, yes, we do. And next scene, they're in sick bay. Yes. And Jordy (laughs) clearly learned his lesson from last week where he didn't go to the doctor when he was fucking supposed to. And and then turned into an alien. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. I turned into an alien. So now I'm going to learn from my mistakes and I'm just going to take a headache, sick bay, toe ache, sick bay, confidence boost, sick bay. Okay. Like that's right. (laughs) Let's go get you checked out. But as it turns out, something has happened. His brain is firing at ridiculous speeds. Okay. His IQ is somewhere between 1450 and 1600. Great SAT scores and even better IQ. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, his resourcefulness, his ingenuity, his creativity are off the charts. And the space between the left brain and right brain have like practically fused together. So it's very much one of these, like, now you're hyper intelligent, but like not hyper intelligent. You're at like 50,000 levels above where humans should be capable of. And and like, now what do we do with him? Right. And I thought that was interesting. It's like, I think it's time for a senior meeting, but in the ready room, like even more like secret, even more, yeah, even more super secret with a lot less (laughs) space and seating. So they should have just been in the observation lounge. Let's just all lean against the table. Yeah. Like one chair and one two seater couch in that whole entire (laughs) room. So whatever, they're all crammed in the room and they're saying he's super smart. But that's not a crime. Like we can't, we can't lock mm-hmm. him up or anything. Plus, Jordy's like, I need his help to fix the array. We can't do this whole two-day fixing the array thing without Barclay's big brain. But Riker's like, yeah, but also he's being influenced by some kind of alien power. And shouldn't we just be suspicious of that? Shouldn't that that feels just a little bit sketchy? We don't know yeah. how it's going to influence him. And all, after all this conversation, Picard's just like, you know what? If he does something menacing then we'll actually do something, but he hasn't yes. done anything menacing and he's helping to save everything. Let's just let this play out a little bit longer. Just, and this is again, know, a really give him a gold star and just see what happens again. It's a really sticky situation because I see Riker's point of he's being influenced by an alien being. We don't know their motivations. And I think we don't it's know very what valid. next yes. at the same point. He hasn't shown any danger signs and you can't just lock a guy up for being smart. So, you know, I, yes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the can't right call that. in this case, but I do love that Troy's like, well, uh, he did make a pass at me last night, like a good one. And I love that Riker later was like about that pass. You didn't say if it was successful and she just kind of smiles and goes about. I love seeing that two second scene in the doorway of the ready room. It leads to nothing, but it's Mm -hmm. just continuing this kind of like fun little tease that like Riker and Troy have in their relationship. And I think it's so great now. Yeah. They're like, let's just, you know, keep an eye on him. But so far nothing really seems to be like he's not doing anything yeah, nothing bad. to worry about yeah now the argus reactor does start a cascade failure and they just can't stop the failure fast enough and they also and Bar- can't run away which is unfortunate because that was their big plan shoot it or run away and they can't do either thing now so well, we're now like because uh-oh. it's like 23 nuclear reactors like you're not gonna be able to run away fast enough to get out of the way so as this reactor failure is starting to cascade they can't stop the reactor failure fast enough. And Barkley is like on his panels in engineering. And he's like, ah, like the computer is not working fast enough, which to me is like, uh Oh, because if your brain is working faster than the ship's computer, which is like one of the most powerful computers in the universe, something is definitely going on. Um, and it's a little bit scary. So this is where Barkley is like, 
I'm going to need to, I can't work in the, he becomes a diva. He's like, I can't work in these conditions. I'm going to go somewhere else. And he ends up going to the holodeck and creating for himself like a little office where he's like, put a chair here, put a 10 keypad here, put this here, a printout screen here and like connect all of this through like a neural pathway, something. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, and the ship's computer is like, um, there's no program to write like for that. And he's like, no problem. Here's how you do it. Meanwhile, it's now like, two minutes to like imminent destruction. And they're like, anything, anything? Like, how do we get out of here? At this point now, Picard's like, run away, run away. Right? And they can't because something is happening with Barclay where there's no like con, there's no propulsive act, like activity, nothing. Where it's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, and at the, at, at the last second, the Argus reaction is stopped. And they're like, huh? Now we have control of the ship again. And this like cascade failure has totally stopped. Like what the computer, like what happened? And now it's Barkley's voice, like speaking via computer voice. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I fixed it. And they're like, huh? <laughs> Cause that's exactly how I felt. I was like, what? And I love the shot of it's Barclay speaking through the computer, but we see him not moving his mouth mm-hmm. and he's in the most like, evil lair ever Mm -hmm. with like laser beams bouncing off his head into some sort of like interface with the computer so now he Mm -hmm. like is the computer yeah he's tied his brain and neural activity into the computer and also his consciousness like all of it is connected to the computer he is the computer crazy he is running the computer and that's why the computer is speaking with his voice and they're like barclay we want you to take yourself out of the computer immediately and he's just like i can't my his abilities have expanded beyond the capacity that his actual brain could hold. So mm-hmm. now he's expanded so much that you cannot stuff that amount of data back into that little brain of his, into his normal size yes. brain. He needs the entire enterprise in order for his brain to grow, which is pretty incredible. Yes. And if it continues growing, like at that rate, even the enterprise won't be able to hold his consciousness you know, which is something they don't discuss in the show, but like if the episode hadn't wrapped up the way it did, like he might've conceivably died because he can't, you know, the, his, his ability is outstripped the enterprise and like you, yeah, you can't kind of go beyond that. But um, this was another practical effects from the special effects team. Just like last week, it was really, really neat. They did not, post-production these lasers they created a way to have these lasers firing through like mirrors and stuff that are actually hitting dwight schultz's head you know and it's just light so it's just bouncing off his head but that is exactly what he looked like when they were filming and so they had the voice they had him do the voice first and then played the voiceover so he could do facial reactions in time Mm -hmm. was like the audio that was playing Mm -hmm. but if you were on set in the holodeck and filming the scene That is exactly like what we see is exactly what the crew was seeing, which I thought, again, was so freaking cool. And why I love practical effects so much more than CGI, because CGI ends up outstripping itself in ability every few years. So when you look back to something this old, it would look like crap, but instead it looks really, really cool. Mm -hmm. It stands up. Yeah. You know, Universal Studios is my happy place. And one of the experiences there is a special effects show. And they always talk about the difference between practical effects and these other kinds of special effects like computer generated effects. And I think combined, they do something really special. I think the technology of CGI is always very cool, but Mm -hmm. practical effects are going nowhere. Like they will always be here because 
because of this, because that we can yeah. watch this episode 30 years later and be like, Ooh, look at the bouncy lights. Like that was amazing. That was just as amazing. good, just as good as it was 30, 35 years ago. A hundred percent agree. Like when you look at special effects, this is why, like for me, when I say I'm a star Wars fan, I'm a fan of the original trilogy. It was all practical effects. When you look at the prequel, those special effects are like 20 something years old now. And they look like shit. They look awful. And it's so, first of all, I mean, I hated the storyline and everything in the beginning, but the effects just don't look, they Mm -hmm. don't stand up. They Mm -hmm. don't stand up and practical effects, practical effects too. Now, they <laughs> Jordy and the senior team are like, hey, let's have a secret meeting. Wait, there's nowhere we can have a secret meeting because the computer can hear us all the time. Mm-hmm. What if I take out these isolinear chips? So they end up like cutting communication to like the, the observation lounge. And mm-hmm. they're like, what the F do we do now? Like we can't remove Barkley without killing him, but he's also like the computer now. So like, we kind of can't really allow that. Right. And I thought to myself, why don't they just ask Barclay for help? Why don't they say, how can we help you? Like, how can you help us? Like, how can we get you out of the ship? Where do we need to put you? What do we need to build? Mm-hmm. What's, What's going the solution? On? Because obviously yeah. his brain works a lot faster and he can come up with creative solutions. They're just kind of being like, Ooh, this is scary and we don't like it. And we want him to stop. So we're going to force him, which I totally get that. And I think he could be a part of the solution. Like he caused this situation. He should find, he should be able to find a way to solve it and not die. So that was kind of my thought. Why didn't they just say, hey, Barclay, this doesn't work for us. What else can we do? Because he could probably build his own ship. That I don't know. He could figure it out, right? I mean, he's Barclay. He has a 1600 IQ. Like, he could figure it out. Um, and they come up with this plan to try to bypass Barclay's control of the propulsive system. So at least they can, like, get to a star base and then figure out what to do with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Jordy goes into a Jeffrey's tube, of course, Barclay, as the computer, is, like, onto him. Mm-hmm. So they kind of chat for a while. And Jordy's, like, doing his routine maintenance. And he's kind of, like, pretending to talk to Barclay to keep him engaged. And... I have, I thought this was very interesting that Barclay tries to describe what he's experienced and he understands the entire universe as one singular equation and everything makes perfect sense. We as humans have not reached that point in our evolution when we have discovered the unifying theorem of physics, sometimes known as the theory of everything. The theory of everything or the unifying theorem of physics is a single mathematical equation that fully explains and links together all of the physical aspects of the universe. We currently do not have anything like that. The unifying theory or the theory of everything is hypothetical still. Um, Currently we have different mathematical equations to explain phenomena such as like electricity, magnetism, Newtonian and non-Newtonian physics, but they don't overlap. So you can't use the same equations for those other aspects of physics because they don't apply in the same way. So physicists, since before even Einstein's time, had been working on the theory of everything and still haven't arrived at it. So I think it was kind of cool that he was like, I now understand the theory of everything. Like Mm -hmm. uh, it's all pure math and I get it and it's beautiful. And I was like, wow, that is super cool. I thought that was really neat. And like, for me, it was hopeful. It was hopeful Mm -hmm. that we'll get there one day. Yeah. And Barclay also was telling um, Jordy that he feels like this is a gift. This is a special gift that he's been given. And it's a really And it's something really special that he treasures, which is Mm -hmm. cool. He's not taking for granted how he's different. He recognizes it. He knows he's different and he is appreciating it. And I also thought it's kind of dumb to try to trick the computer. So again, (laughs) this is why we should just ask for his help. How are you going to trick him? He can see you. He knows exactly what you're doing and he's super smart. He can intuit what you're going to try to do. I just feel like this was just. You're in a Jeffrey's tube after having a secret meeting. Like, I feel like I know what you might be doing. Yeah. 
Right. And he also knew about the secret meeting because he knew when you disconnected the audio and visual pickups from the room. So I just, my IQ, I I feel very lucky. I had IQ tests done before and I'm something in the like high one twenties, which is pretty awesome. And even I could tell some shady shit was going on. You don't need to have an IQ of 1450 to 1600 to discover that this is what's happening. So surprise, (laughs) surprise, um, that doesn't work. And Barclay starts creating this um, subspace distortion. And he's saying, Captain, there's something really cool. I think I can help the ship jump from one place in space to another place in space in the blink of an eye. I'm pretty sure I can do that. And Picard's like, that's great. Please don't do it though. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do it because I really want to. And he's like, no, no, I'm giving you an order. You are ordered to not jump this ship through space and time. You need to keep it right here. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm going to do it because you can't really stop me. <laughs> and then that's at the point where Picard's like, darn it. <laughs> he's lost all control at that's this like, exact moment. That's like, <laughs> that is exactly like when Data is acting strangely and they're like, Data, can we just have you pinky promise that you're going to confine yourself to quarters? Because nothing can stop you, mm-hmm. really. And he's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> And they're like, cool, we will continue to hold up like the construct of power, but there really isn't any, like you have all of it. None at all. (laughs) And so then Troy's like, you know what? Let me go talk to him. I'm pretty sure I can talk him off the ledge. And so Picard's like, make it so go for it. So Troy gets down there and is just can't talk him off the ledge at all. And in fact, makes everything worse because she's just like, you know, Picard's not going to stop until he stops you. And so he's like, okay, and suddenly it's like red alert everywhere. And yes. Well, she walks out of the holodeck and Barclay's face doesn't change, but the laser beams start firing faster. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you just made him mad. Yeah. I was like, thanks, Uh-oh. Troy. Thanks, but no thanks. You did not yeah. help. You didn't really help that. <laughs> you, actually, you hurt us. So maybe next time. Don't, don't send Troy. Yeah. Oh, well, if they're <laughs> assuming there will be a next time, which we're not assuming at all. Don't send Troy to do an engineer's job. <laughs> don't do that. Don't send an engineer to do Troy's job. Everybody yes. knows their places, do right? Don't we do all that. know what we're supposed to be doing. So he makes this really <laughs> cool um, spatial distortion that's kind of red smoke in space. Yeah, it looks it's very, very cool. cool. I don't think we've seen that exact kind of vision before. No. And as the ship goes through it, it's not the typical warp where they kind of look like normal people, but they're just going at warp. It's more like a space balls type thing where the whole, everybody looks different inside the ship. When yes, the ship is moving. They go into, they go into, I called it, Ooh, wavy stretched out enterprise. We're like mm-hmm. the front, like the nose of the enterprise stretches out, but the ship doesn't appear to be moving. It just kind of gets stretched mm-hmm. and suddenly it's very shaky camera. And they're all like, sir, mm-hmm. access the like everything is very wavy. Mm-hmm. But then, but then they're like, okay, we need to stop this shit. Like immediately Picard's like, Picard is like, we need to stop this waviness immediately. Send security to just go take Barclay out of the holodeck by, by hook or by crook. Yep. And, and listen, knowing full well that this could kill him. He's like, at this point, you got to go. It, it's, 11, all of us. it's 1100 people versus one. You got to go. Yeah. And Worf and his team continue their stellar job of not doing a great job. And they just immediately start running towards him and bouncing off of force fields and then shooting the force field only to find that, guess what? You can't shoot through a force field, Worf. You know this by now. So they're like, uh, <laughs> sir, we've been completely ineffectual. Yeah. <laughs> so then Worf like, just, Worf just runs right back to the bridge, which I feel like, again, could have been a combat situation. Hey, captain, this isn't working. Plan B, plan C. But nope, he turns around, runs from the holodeck, 
back to the turbo lift, back to the bridge, comes out of the turbo lift and goes, sir, Barclays put up a force field. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, how did you get back here in like two seconds? This ship is quite large. (laughs) So the Enterprise does that stretch, but then they kind of like unstretch. They sort of Mm -hmm. snap back to the regular Mm -hmm. shape. They don't seem to have moved, but it turns out they've moved 30,000 light years from where they were. Now, at this point, the head of a giant translucent hippie appears inside the bridge and Worf, who has gotten back to the bridge in record time, of course, wants to blow a hole into the bridge. And yeah, I was like, he wants to my guest. That's I mean, Worf is going to be Worf no matter what. Nothing if not consistent. Yes. And and we see this giant head start talking and it seems like. Okay. It's in a very they good have- mood, too, by the way. It's just like, hey, 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 bipeds. Ooh, look at your craniums. Yeah. Like- Endoskeletal system. Like, just kind of taking stock. Cut- One quick thing. The writing crew did a rewrite on the very last day, um, on the last day of filming, like, when this head was filmed. Mm-hmm. And it was a rewrite because initially the the um, Cytherians, which is this race of aliens, were malevolent. And they're like, no, we can't do another Enterprise gets kidnapped fucking bit again like yeah. we're gonna change it into like friendly and i was especially like especially cool. not in the last like 10 seconds yeah yeah exactly no time to how do you get out of that, that. Mm-hmm. yeah how do you get out of it um and also great job reg for like bringing us in for just kid you kidnapped us for them <laughs> like you did the job for them mm-hmm. so um step. <laughs> yep now barclay who's disconnected from the computer shows up to explain these are cytherians they're on the same mission as the enterprise to explore the galaxy, but they never leave their homes instead bringing ships to meet them, which I think is absolutely brilliant because there could very well be a race of aliens who have the technology to do that. So they're mm-hmm. like, we just bring you to us. We never have to leave. This is great. We can take stock. And and it was really, it was their probe that was sent to elevate like Barclay's IQ or anybody's IQ to create, to like be, become smart enough to create the wormhole that they can get themselves. Right. So the probe the originally Cyterians. was trying to reprogram the Argus array to bring it back yes. because the probe yeah. is just set. It's kind of like a Borg to assimilate. It's just set to reprogram anything it comes into like contact anything with in contact, yes. to bring it back. And it didn't work with yeah. the Argus array. It just broke the array. So then it was chasing down the enterprise to try to reprogram the enterprise. It tried to reprogram the shuttle. That's what that beam of light was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it failed at that. And the only thing it was able to reprogram was Barclay, which turns out that was the right thing to reprogram to get that everybody was there. It. That was it. And like, so the Cytherians just want an exchange of knowledge. And I think it was really lovely to see Picard and Riker just kind of like smile and be like, cool, let's we do get this. You, like, man. We get yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And they ends up being a captain's log. It's like, we spent 10 days with the Cytherians. We've come back with enough information for scholars to pour over for years. Um, and the Enterprise has been safely returned to Federation space. And Reg is back to his old self. And he's in 10 forward, having himself a pity glass of, you know, chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, with Troy and with Jordy. Yeah, like I remember everything I did. I just can't remember how or why I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, and I felt like poor Reg is back. And Jordy was like, hey, man, you're you're an important member of our crew, little buddy. Like, he mm-hmm. was just really trying to pep him up a right. little bit. He was like, we like you the way you are. You don't have to be some superhuman being to, to still matter and to still be important to us. Yeah. Which is yeah. And really, I think the best kind of self-esteem boost that could have happened was when Troy, you know, Reg and Barkley were going to go off and run a level three diagnostic. And she was like, I believe we had a date scheduled for a walk in the Arboretum. 
and the music gets very lighthearted and cute. And Reg is like, oh God, and like straightens out his uniform. And he's just like, <laughs> okay. And he's like, you know, we don't have to do this. And Troy's like, I know. And as they're walking out, such a cute scene where, you know, they had been talking in 10 Ford about how like everybody exceeds their abilities sometimes. It's what you do afterwards that really matters. Um, and I love that Barclay is walking out arm in arm with Troy and he sees people playing space chess and he goes, hold on. And he goes over and moves one of the pieces a little bit and goes checkmate in nine moves. And I thought that was so great. He was just so confident and certain mm-hmm. of that. And Troy's like, I didn't know you played chess. And he was like, I don't <laughs> I was like, Oh yay! He's mm-hmm. got like a little teeny piece of like that probe still mm-hmm. with him. And I thought that was so great. Some smartness stuck to him. So that was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts, Andrea. Um, this episode is a ton of fun. I always enjoy watching it. I've seen it many, many, many times. Um, it was actually written, um, after the writers had read what was a short story and then later became a novel and then later became a movie flowers for Algernon about Mm -hmm. in, in my words, the smartification of somebody who becomes overly intelligent and then loses it quickly. And it's like what that person is like during that time, Mm -hmm. how alienated they are from others. Because as Troy had said in the holodeck, like everybody is scared of you now, including me, like you're scaring us. Um, And then when he was back, it was, more easy to digest for the crew to be like, this is what we, this is the expectation we have of Barkley and he's not going to really exceed that. And like, this is, you know, this is a character we know and we're comfortable with. We know how to deal with this. We didn't know how to deal with that Barkley. Mm-hmm. What are your final thoughts? Yeah. I really like this episode as well. Um, I didn't know that that was based, that that was kind of inspired by that story. Um, mm-hmm. But it makes a lot of sense because if you're, if you're not where kind of the average people around you are, Mm-hmm. either higher or lower, but if you're just not where they are, then it's, it's going to be a weird fit socially. Like you're going to feel like you're off and they're going to feel like you're off regardless of what the, the average IQ is of the group you're around. If you, if you don't kind of match within some parameters, it's going to feel a little bit off. Um, and so I'm glad that Barclay came down from the mountain because he was so advanced and so smart that no one could relate to him. And he was just, he would have been ridiculously isolated he and which is not what he wanted right which is how he started with the crew being ridiculously isolated um i really like this one i think it's a really good episode i think the cytherians way of exploring space is so interesting so genius so cool. um i like I that it was just a giant floating hippie head in the end cuz why not <laughs> they didn't go with the newt head or the salamander head or whatever it was just like a dude with some some stuff on his hair like very low key because that wasn't the point and like a prosthetic in on his brow bone like it was simple and cool it was super simple that's all we needed he was only there for a few seconds um and all is well so i i like this one it's a bit of a mystery mm-hmm. and also not not very dangerous just more kind of like what is going on mm-hmm. so i think that was pretty cool it was really great um well next week we're talking season four episode 20 cupid so q is coming by for a visit and gonna cause some trouble and it's gonna be fun thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you all next week Bye, everybody. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.